Romans chapter 12, we're going we're gonna to have some fun. I am one who loves participation um, when, we, when I preach. So that means you've got to get involved in this. You've got to help me preach this sermon. All right? There you go. So Romans chapter 12 is what I want you to do. Um, I've titled uh, the sermon, A 3D Church. All right, we're going to have 3D up in here. All right? How many of you guys like 3D movies? Anybody like 3D movies? Okay, see, you guys know what I'm talking about. All right. We're going to ha- imagine what it would be like if church was 3D. Well, I'm going to show you that it actually can be. Um, all right, before we get to that slide, let me, let me show you something real quick. Um, how many of you actually believe that God has more for you individually? More than just Sunday morning church. How many believe God has more for you? Say amen. Okay, I love that. That's good. Um, I literally, literally believe that's the case. Um, I firmly believe that God has more for you, and I'm going to prove it to you. In Romans chapter 12, I'm going to begin reading in verse number one, and then I'll just show it to you, all right? Listen to this. Paul says to the Roman believers, he says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, I beg in you, I'm motivating you, brothers, by the mercies of God that you present your bodies as a holy, or as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed. I love that, man. Transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you might prove that what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Man, that is good. Somebody say amen. amen. All right, so let me, let me explain this to you. It literally spells out more. I'm not even kidding. God truly does have more for you than just the status quo Christian life, than just coming to church on Sunday morning. Although it is awesome, God saved you for so much more than just this. And look at this. I'm going to break it down. Verse number one. He says, I want to motivate you by the mercies of God. All right? That's the first thing I want to show you. Being motivated by God's mercy. Do you have that? I don't know if you happen to have that. All right. So here's the cool. I want you to write this in your notes. If you're taking notes. Put the big, put the letter there you go, man. That's what I'm talking about right there. Somebody say, thank you, Richard. Thank you, Richard. All right. Okay. All right. So I told you we are going to get you involved in this. I wasn't kidding. All right. So God, Paul is saying we need to be motivated by God's mercy. All right. Let me ask you a question. How many of you all can remember what life was like before you met Christ? Say amen. Okay. How many of you all are grateful that God gave you mercy? Isn't that amazing? We didn't do anything to deserve God's mercy, but he restored our brokenness. And I pray, I'm praying that God has people in this room who may not have ever heard of what Jesus can do for you and what, he can, what he's done in our lives. But I pray that you will understand that today, that God has mercy that he wants to establish in your life. So God's mercy ought to do something in this region of the body right here. All right, your heart should be so stirred when you consider what God has done in your life to give you mercy. Now, the mercy of God ought to motivate us to specifically offer to him our physical bodies, is what Paul said. God, here's my body. Isaiah, Lord, here am I. Send me, send me. How many times you heard people preach on that, right? Well, here's what he's saying. He said, God, I'm offering you my body because of your mercy. You saved me at the cross, Where where, where I first encountered Jesus, he died on a cross to give me forgiveness. Here am I, God. You saved me. I'm all yours. Now, here's the thing. You offer God your body for a specific purpose. The Bible says in verse number two, you can reveal his glory. The word he used is be transformed. Meaning, when you got saved, 
the Holy Spirit, God, Jesus, his life began to dwell inside of you at the moment of faith when you believed in Jesus. The Holy Spirit of God began to dwell inside of you instantaneously. Now, if you think about that, I want you to process that. I'm talking about the creator of the universe is inside of your body. That's mind-blowing. Now, what's he doing up in your body? Just hanging out? No. He's in your body because he's trying to reveal to everybody in Columbus, Ohio, that he's alive. He's alive. And he's in you. So here's, here's the thing. God has, we are to be motivated by God's mercy to offer our bodies to him so that we can reveal his glory. And the last piece is so we can experience his plan because in verse number two, he also said that you might know what the will of God is for your life. God has a unique plan for your life. And you know, what's that spell, church? What's that? M-O-R. That's straight up Bible. That's straight up Bible. God has more for you and for me than what we probably are currently experiencing right now in your life. Now, here's the cool thing. It gets so much better in the text. We're going to keep going. The amazing thing is, God, even though he, he has all this mercy, what would it look like? What should it look like when we all come together and we're all passionate about experiencing the glory of God, seeing God be revealed in us to Columbus, Ohio? What should the church look like? It should be awesome. I mean, people are going to see Jesus in a real way because we all have this Shekinah glory of God in us. And he's coming out. He's coming out. All right, let me pray with you. Um, And uh, I'm going to invite you to stand to your feet because I've been talking a long time and I want you to have some blood flow here uh, to your body because like I said, you're going to have to worship God with your body here. So, all right. I want you to engage the Lord with your body. Let's pray together, and then we're going to continue reading in verses 3 all the way down to uh, verse 8. So let's pray. Lord, we come to you uh, this morning with such amazing gratitude. We have done nothing to merit your mercy. But God, I pray that you would do something supernatural in and among us this morning. I pray that you would manifest your glory from heaven to earth in this room right now. I pray that as we read your words, that your Holy Spirit would sweep through this auditorium and stir our hearts away in a way that we haven't had stirred in a long time. And I thank you, God, so much that you've called us to a great mission, a mission that will lead to great glory and thousands of people's lives will be dramatically encountered and saved because of what you're doing through us. I pray with great faith with my church family and we all said, amen. All right, let's read verse three. He's Paul saying, continuing, this is so cool. He says, for I say, through the grace given unto me, because I'm an apostle, he says, to every man, That means everyone up in this room, okay? If you're a believer, to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. Don't be so arrogant, all right? But to think soberly according as God hath dealt to every man a measure of faith. For as as we have many members in one body, I got a finger, I got a toe. Man, shoot, I even got a toenail, all right? Um, All members have not the same office. Circle that word office if you got a pen. That word office means function, function. We're going to talk about function junction. I'm just kidding. All right. Uh, Verse number five. He says, so we being many, there's many people in this room right now that have experienced God's grace. So we being many are yet one body in Christ and every one members one of another. Having then gifts, uh, that goes back to that word office, having then gifts differing different according to the grace that, that is given to us, whether it's prophecy, if you can preach, you need to preach. 
Um, if, according to the proportion of your faith, if you've got a gift of ministry uh, or uh, compassion, then let us wait on our ministering. He that it, it teaches, then teaching. Or he that exhorteth and encourages, then give him the undue encouragement. He that has a, a heart to give, let him do it with simplicity. That means generously, okay? And he that ruleth, or that's another word for saying he that has got a spiritual gift of leadership, like you're an administration guru, all right? That's unusual, all right? It's important, all right? Um, he that leads, and do it with zeal or with diligence, okay? And he that shows mercy with cheerfulness. All right, be happy, be on fire, because God gave you that gift. All right, you can be seated. Thank you so much. Somebody tap your neighbor as you're going down and say, we're going to hear something today. We're going to hear something, that's for sure. All right, so here's what I do. As we come together as a corporate body of Christ, I mean, God is working in us. He's, he's in us. He saved us. He gave us a ho- the Holy Spirit. The very bigness of God is inside of us. He gave us gifts. When he brings us together, something supernatural should be happening in and among us as a church family. And this, it's going to be, it's going to be pretty impressive because what happens is we become an even brilliant, a more radiant light that Jesus is alive all around us. I have this illustration I want to show you, the picture that, um, that was shown up before. This is a 3D picture. Now, unfortunately, you don't have any glasses right now um, because I want you this morning to represent everybody who sees the church that is an unbeliever because unbelievers that are in Columbus, people that are searching for truth, when they come to church, this is what they see. It's kind of a blurry mess. Um, I can kind of make out, obviously, it's some sort of a city, but I can't tell you how cool it is. I mean, it just, it just looks like an ordinary city. But there's so much more in this picture than what you can see because it's so blurry. And I'm telling you this morning that lost people or broken people, the unbelieving world that is in around Columbus, when they come to church, this is what they see because they're coming with so many questions. Questions like, man, how do you know if God, Jesus, is really the God? I mean, what about Muhammad? Everybody's talking about Muhammad right now. How do you know Muhammad ain't the real God? Or, or questions like, Man, you, you talk about how Jesus is like, he rescued you, but come on, Joe. Like, I think it's just like a, uh, like a crutch for cripples. Like, how, man, Joe, you just got high, really high one day, smoking weed, and you just all of a sudden had a religious experience, and next thing you know, you just, man, shoot, you just got, had a come to Jesus moment. You ever heard that? Come to Jesus moment. It, it, that's what they think. Or better yet, when it gets real personal, they'll ask questions like this. An unbeliever person would say, does God, how can God really heal my brokenness? I mean, my life's a mess. How, how could, he's invisible. I can't see him. If I can't see him, I don't believe him. That's what they'll say. How many of you guys have heard things like that before? All right. So the, the reason why is because, and, and we invite them to church. We'll invite them to church. But oftentimes when they come here, it's very confusing to them because all they can make out is, it looks like a bunch of people just kind of weird, you know? It's kind of like they're happy or they're, some of them are mad, I guess. I don't know. Um, this is what they see. So what I want to show you is when you and I come together and we have a passion to allow Jesus to reveal his glory through us, it's essentially when they come in the door and they're greeted by guests, as, by, by the greeting team, as they come in, they're high-fiving them, shaking their hands. They're so excited they're here. What they're going to see is real people in this room. Real people with real brokenness, with a bunch of past history of baggage and mess, and the one thing they're going to see is they're different because they apparently have been restored. Something is unique about these people. They're not the same. They, 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 they're happy. They have a joy that I can't describe. They have a love that I can't articulate. And you know what? They're extremely passionate about me being here. That's what they're going to see. And you know what it is? Essentially, 
they, when they come to a church like that, you just become a 3D lens by which they can see Jesus in you and through you. And that's what God has designed the church to be. He designed us as a church family to be 3D lenses by which broken, hurting people that do not know that Jesus is alive, they see him. They see him. They know he's in the room. We're not just singing songs about a guy who's been dead and who's disconnected from reality. No, we're singing about a guy who's on a throne high and lifted up and he's real and he's changed us. He is risen and he's alive. More than that, he's alive in us. And so the cool thing about it is, as a church family, I want to show you that we, if we want to be a church like that, then it is absolutely important that we learn how to display that Jesus is alive. We've got to learn how to do that, which is what Paul is saying in the text. I want to show you quickly, um, just there are three D's in the text that I want to show you. Um, Just Romans chapter uh, 12, verse number three. I'm going to, first thing, if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. How can you become a 3D church, fellowship? First thing you have to understand, according to what Paul is telling us, is that we must, we need to discover our function in the body. You've got a function. Tap your neighbor and say, I got a function. Come on now, help me out now. I got a function. Y'all got function. All right? Here's the cool thing. That word function actually is where the, 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 the word we get office from in our text. Um, but before he really gets into the how to discover your function, he mentions something kind of strange in verse number three. He gets right into it. He says, if you want to know how to discover your gift, he says, let me teach you something first. You've got to understand the importance of humility. Verse 3, he says, for I say, through the grace given to me, unto me, every man among you, that means every person that is a born-again believer, that has been saved by the, by the mercy of God, God has given you a gift. Let me, you know what, I'm going to just hit on this. I see on the cake real quick. If God has given you a supernatural ability to do something to display his glory, just dream a little bit about what that could look like. Supernatural. That means not natural. You cannot naturally do this. You cannot naturally display God's glory in the way that he's describing. Superhuman. How many of y'all like superheroes? Yes. Yeah, see, that's what I'm talking about, man. He's excited about superheroes. Well, here's the thing. Superheroes are awesome. You know why they're awesome? Because they do superhuman things. But here's the cool thing. Church. Jesus is in us, and he gave you, if a believer, he gave you a supernatural ability to display to broken people that he's alive. And you've got to discover that. What could that look like? Just think about it. What what could that be? What could that look like? I mean, could it be uh, something like as crazy as packing up a U-Haul? Yeah, that could be. Oh, you're probably thinking, no, Lord, no, no. Yeah, I, I can relate. No, but the bottom line is God gave you a gift, a supernatural ability to display that he's alive. But you've got to discover what it is. What is it? Some of you all may think you know what it is. Fantastic. But I guarantee you there's a lot of people in this room that don't. A lot of people that don't. So today, we're going to put that in the bank and, ch- and check that thing. We're going to do it. Here we go. First, I want to show you how to discover your gift is you've got to understand the value of humility. Because he flat out says, everyone among you, you need to think, not to think too highly of yourself, but to think soberly. Bottom line is, um, humility is like the first lens, like a lens in the glasses. If we have humility, it's like the red lens. We put on, when we have humility about our, ourselves, we're able to see things that are going on in the church that perhaps you would have never noticed before. Like all of a sudden, because you're humble and you're so mystified by God's mercy in your life, you can't get over the fact that God gave you mercy and you didn't deserve it. 
And all of a sudden you're like, God, I just want you to use me. I'm offering you my body in a real way. This is not just a book. I'm truly doing this. Here's my body. And all of a sudden God will begin to show you things and reveal things to you of how you can get involved in the body and discover what that gift is that he gave you. It's amazing. But you have to have humility to do that. In other words, um, you got to remember where you came from. That, that humility is something that will help you. It's, it's like it will be a fuel um, to your functionality. It will help you. It'll, it'll like put gas in a tank. When you have humility about you, you're going to be, I mean, I want to know. I want to discover this. Um, you know, this idea of remembering where you came from, that helps me in a tremendous way to know the gift that God gave me. Or the, and I still struggle sometimes with it. But when God gave you a gift, the, one of the best things you could do is have a humble perspective by remembering where you came from. And some of you, how many of you all got saved later on in life? Later on in life, you were, you know, older and you, got, you trusted Christ. I could guarantee you, I could ask any one of the people that just raised their hand, adults, whoever. I could bring you on stage. All ten, I can get 10 people up here. And I can get all 10 of the people up here to begin to tell the story of how they came to Christ. And you know what's funny? Almost all the stories will sound eerie in a certain way and it sound incredibly similar. It would sound like this. Man, I was minding my own business. Man, I thought I was all that in a bag of chips, man. Shoot. I was minding my own business, living life. Life was great. And out of nowhere, a boulder came out of the sky and crushed me. I mean, a crisis happened. Took me off my feet. Knocked me off my socks. I mean, a boulder could have a different label on it. Each one of these 10 people has a different label on that boulder. It could be a family crisis, a wayward child, a financial breakdown. Something happened that rattled your cage and it broke you. All you have is this broken mess. For me, it was when I was in juvenile detention center, and I didn't want to live a life of a thug anymore selling drugs. I was tired of it. So God sent a boulder. I'm locked up. I don't want to live like this, you know? And all of a sudden, these broken pieces. And you know what that is? God interrupted my life. God sent that boulder in my life. God sent that boulder in my life. And he did it to get your attention because this tangible brokenness is nothing more than a much bigger, serious issue of brokenness. And if the brokenness is your relationship with God. You see, when God made us, listen to this, especially if you're in this room and you think you came by chance. This is very important. God brought you here to hear this. God desires to have a relationship with you. He made you on purpose. He made you because he loves you. And there's a problem that you need to be aware of. It's our rebellion towards him. We put our hands in in his face and we turn away because we naturally do things that offend God. It's, it's called sin. And that sin has wrecked us. It wrecked a relationship that God wants to have with us. And you know what the problem is? There's nothing we can do to fix it. No matter how hard you try, you may try as hard to, you want to go to church faithfully. I'm going to come every week. I'm going to give money to the church. I'm going to serve in a ministry of the church. And all these things in hopes that you might win God's favor back and restore this emptiness in your life. But it never works. This brokenness, this tangible brokenness in your life will remain there. And more than that, the brokenness here will remain there. But God knew that we could not fix this. So he did what only he could do. And he came into the world and fixed it for us. The Bible says, this is cool. The Bible says that God clothed himself with human flesh, robed himself, came into the world and died on a cross, endured all of the punishment because the consequence of that separation, if you die in a broken relationship with God, it's eternal. You never get it right. And it's a separation for eternity in hell, torment because you have to experience God's wrath upon our rebellion towards him. And God says, no, I don't want want that to happen to you. 
So he comes in the world, clothes himself in human flesh, goes on a cross, and dies. And in that moment on the cross, this is what makes it so special. Everyone talks about a crucifixion. This is what it means. It was the one time in human history where God became a man and he endured the wrath that was rightly deserved for you and for me. All of the anger that God has towards us was poured upon Jesus in that moment and he died. He became your substitute. He became your substitute so you don't have to endure the wrath of God. And the Bible says, oh man, the Bible says three days later, death couldn't hold him, the grave couldn't keep him, he came back to life, and he rose again. And the Bible says when he did that, he says, anybody who believes in me will have eternal life. Well, this is the greatest verse, same chapter, or actually just two chapters over. Chapter 10, verse 13, the Bible says, for whosoever shall call upon Jesus, Jesus, I understand, I can't fix this relationship, I don't know what to do, but I believe that you are my substitute you really did this for me. I can, have, I can be healed and restored. I need you. And then what you, when you confess that, I, Lord, I need you, the Bible says that instantly you call to Jesus and you will be saved forever. Forever. That relationship is brought, immediately brought back in place because God loves you and he's never stopped loving you. That's amazing. That's mercy. And that ought to motivate our hearts to understand God gave you a gift to display that Jesus is alive. It's a, a pretty powerful thing. But when you remember where you came from, Somehow it motivates us to want to engage in God's ministry, to discover the supernatural ability that God gave you. Um, and you know what's cool? When you discover that gift, you're going to experience some empowerment, some pretty cool things, some very empowerment. Let's continue in the text. Verse 3, he says, To every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly. And the reason why he says soberly is because when you discover your gift, you know, by, you're going to see all these opportunities, you're going to start plugging yourself into different ministries, and eventually... Eventually, short period of time, you're going to probably discover what that gift is. Maybe you've got the gift of encouragement. You're greeting people at the door. You just make people feel awesome. Um, you're glad they're there. Or you've got the gift of teaching. You're going to discover it. But when you discover that gift and you experience the empowerment of God and you experience joy because God's using you, eventually you're going to become good at it. Some of you guys, if you know what your spiritual gift is, raise your hand. Okay. Some of you know what it is. Here's the cool thing. Some of you guys have been doing it for a long time and you got real good at it. You know what that leads to easily? That's what Paul's warning us of, pride. Because after a while, you get so good at it, you're thinking, yeah, I don't really need to, I don't really need to, I don't need to practice this. I don't need to pray. I know what I'm doing. I've done this like, like three, 30 years now. I know what I'm doing. Okay, Paul's saying that attitude is what's gonna cause the blurriness when people come in the church because all they see is you. They see you in the way and they can't see Jesus because you're up there with your arrogance. That's the problem that Paul's warning the church. He said, be careful, be careful, be soberly minded. Don't allow pride to blur the gospel in the church. All right, the second thing I want to show you quickly is that we need to depend on each other. That's the second D. So we got this idea, discover your gift by having humility, but then we need to depend on each other, and that really emphasizes unity, very simply. So if one lens of the glasses is humility, I got to be able to see things in the ministry that are in the church of how I can get plugged in. Remember where I came from. The blood of Christ is what saved me. Okay, I get that. But then the other side of it is unity because a body that is not unified is a dysfunctioning body. Quick question. What do you call a body that is disabled? If my hand is disabled or, it's, or my leg is disabled, what is a medical term that is used to describe a person in that condition? They are handicapped or they're paralyzed. That's exactly what Paul's warning the church of. In verse 4 and 5, he says you've got to discover your function because if you don't, you understand every one of us is a member one to another. 
If your hand, if your, if your particular gift is teaching and you're not teaching, okay, you're, 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 you're allowing the body to become a missing element because you're not willing to engage in the ministry. God gave you that gift not for you, but for other people. It's more than just the people in this room. It's for people who are not in the room that need to know that Jesus is alive. God gave you a supernatural ability to function with, but you've got to learn to depend on each other. There's got to be this element of, I need you, I want you. But here's the cool thing. What, happened, what did Jesus do with his physical body? Let's talk about this, because this is what we are, right? We're the body of Jesus on this side of heaven. What did Jesus do with his body, church? Tell me some things, right out What did he do? He, he, he sacrificed. What else? What else did he do? Come on, think practically. When Jesus was walking around the earth, what did he do? He healed people, okay? He healed their eyes. They could see. He healed their ears. They could hear. What else did he do? He, he what? He fed people food, okay? Not just food, but even spiritual nurture. All right, what else? I'm looking for, he what? He taught people, okay? I'm looking for one that's really, okay, he loved people, good, I'm going for it, man. He raised the dead, (laughs) y'all. He raised the dead. You know what the cool thing is at church? As a church, God gave us supernatural ability so we could display his glory, and he's gonna raise the dead in Columbus, Ohio. That's amazing, it's amazing, it's amazing. How cool would that be to be a body like that? Because we all have a function, all have a unique gift, and we use the gift to engage in the ministry. All right, so we understand the importance of depending on each other. The last thing I want to show you is this. The last D um, is this idea of of basically doing your job. Okay, I discovered my function. I know what I got to be doing. I got humility, the importance of humility. I got to serve with humility. I understand how important it is to depend on each other with unity because here's a cool thing. Humility plus unity equals clarity. People will see God fresh in a real way. Humility plus unity equals clarity. But when you understand that, that's all cool, but come on now. We got to do our thing, all right? So I got this real quick illustration. Talk about doing our job, all right? Doing your function, doing the, the gift that God has for you. Let me take you to the verse. Um, let's drop down to verse number six. He says, having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, now, in Greek, this is cool. In the Greek language, this is very flavorable and flamboyant when he, the way Paul wrote it. Basically, it says, um, having then gifts deferring to the grace of God in us, uh, to us, uh, he's, and it says basically in, he, in Greek, then get up and do it, all right? Let us do it is the actual translation. Let us do it. Now, here's the cool thing. In the King James, he kind of spreads it out. They spread it out. They basically say, whether it's prophecy, then let us do prophecy. If it's teaching, then let us do teaching. But I just love that phrase in the Greek, man. He's like, it's like a Nike slogan. Just do it. I love that. So you know what your gift is, guys. You know that you're supposed to depend on each other, but we got to do it. All right, so listen to an illustration. Let's say, how many of you guys know anything like uh, any workout videos? You ever seen workout videos on TV? All right, you ever heard of Insanity? Just curious. I mean, Sandy. Okay. This guy, Shanti, this is not a commercial plug for that. All right. Anyway, um, Shanti is a, is a kind of a guru. He's kind of the, anyway, they, um, he has a workout, 90-day program. You work out, do this thing. Let's say you and me were hanging out, and all of a sudden you say to me, you know, Pastor Joe, um, I think I want to give you these DVDs. I think it'd be good for you. Man, that's messed up. What are you implying by that? You know, I'm like, are you serious? You just get, are you, okay. So I take the DVDs and I'm mad at you and I put them in my basement. I ain't gonna read this. Well, I guess it'd be in my trunk, you know, so I don't really have a basement anymore. So anyway, um, so I put it in my trunk. I'm mad, all right? I was, so I go to my hotel room because I don't have a house. Anyway, um, 
and I go to my hotel room, and I'm watching TV late at night. And you know what I see? I see Sean T. up there advertising his workout video program, Insanity. And I'm, and I'm sitting there thinking on the couch, eating my potato chips. Shoot, man, that would be nice. Look like that, man, showing up. Mm-hmm. You know what? God, I pray that you won't make me look like that. No, no, I dream. I, I have a dream. I dream that I'm going to look like Shanti as I'm sitting on my lawn on the couch watching a workout video. Now, you know, church, what's going to happen? Ain't nothing going to happen. I'm, I'm on my lump. Ain't nothing, I'm not going to do anything. Now, here's what happened. Here's the thing. As a church, we hear all the great stories about revival days, right? Gone, gone in the past history. We hear about how God showed up. We read the book of Acts, and God shows up in the book of Acts. Glorious things are happening. People are being raised to dead spiritually. And we read, we read about this, and we think, oh, God, I want to dream. Let that be us. Let that be us. And we go so far as to pray about it. Oh, God, please send thou the fire from heaven. You know, we pray. But nothing's going to happen. Nothing's going to happen until you put down your potato chips, which represents your excuses. Oh, I can't do that. I don't have the time to do that. I don't think I can. I don't think I am the right person for that job. Put down your excuses and your chips. Get in there and do it. That's what he's saying. Just do it. If you've got the gift of preaching, then you preach. If you've got the gift of teaching, then you teach. Whatever it is, engage in it because here's what's going to happen. God's going to use you to display that Jesus is alive. And how cool will it be when lost people, broken people, see the brokenness in their life and they realize, oh, my answer is not here. My answer is here. You know what the greatest compliment anybody could ever give you when you're working out? You're doing the program? They say to you, wow, Joe, dude, you look amazing. It's awesome. What are you doing? You know what the greatest compliment anybody could ever give the church? Wow. Dude, I see Jesus. Jesus is alive. He is real. So church, if we want to be a 3D church, we have to understand this. You need to discover your gift. You need to understand the importance of depending on each other. And the last thing is you need to do your job. Do what God called you and created you to do because he's made you for more.